everybody always said, engineers used to say that you couldn't make a flat plane crank engine over four and a half liters. Yeah. And Ford is like, hold my beer. Hold my beer. So, hold my, my Billy beer. Anyway. Hold my double IPA. Yeah, so Vipers, uh, believe it or not, there are Vipers out there. They are shooting up in value very quickly. Restricted Performance Podcast. I'm Maddox. I'm Ross. And we wanted to create an automotive podcast that's maybe a little more relatable, maybe a little more accessible. So that's why we're here to talk to you about cars and particularly cars that might be affordable or that you might want to own. It's cars. It's, yeah, as you said, it's it's more uh, uh, kind of humble cars, maybe less... Uh, and I think we've all heard our, our share of stories about uh, this, that, and the other thing at Pebble Beach or something else. So this is more about uh, what do you want to drive every day, and maybe not even every day, but on selected occasions and, and, and making it cheap and accessible, right? So uh, on top of that, uh, we'd also like to you know, eventually expand into other topics, maybe infrastructure, transportation, just general ideas about how we get around and how people get around. Uh, and why uh, why people do what they do with cars and and in, and in general in in the U.S. Uh, I can't speak for other countries because I don't live there. So anyway, Portugal maybe maybe Portugal. Maybe uh, we Portugal. visited a selected number of countries, none of which have normal driving habits. So this is true. Anyway, but you know tonight's topic is affordable enthusiast cars. It seemed like a logical starting point. I think there's been a lot of. Uh, I wouldn't call it concern, but I think you see a lot of, you know, if you've ever looked at a comment section on an automotive website, you can tell there's a lot of people uh, hemming and hawing about um, the the future of the enthusiast and specifically the affordable enthusiast options, right? Uh, and I don't just, you know, obviously I don't mean new, because uh, new car, buying a car today is uh, uh, how many body parts can you donate to science? Right. And, and, even more than that, I mean, car prices haven't shot up as dramatically as it may seem, but everything is more expensive. I mean, inflation in the past three years alone has shot up 15, 20%. Right. And wages haven't kept up with that. So without getting too somber and too dour, our point basically is, yes, you know, the new market is tougher than ever for some reasons that, you know, Ross can explain a little yeah. better because he's been in the automotive industry for a mm-hmm. while. I just sort of study it from the sidelines a little bit more, but mm-hmm. there are still, the point is there are still options out there that you can have fun with and that we have fun with, that others have fun with. And, you know, it, we're at this weird moment right now where cars are more expensive than ever. There's a lot of doomer mentality mm-hmm. out there, but I would also say the car community has never been stronger and more diverse. I agree. I mean, I think some of the events we've been to, at least in New York, and yes, New York is car culture. That's a whole other topic for another day. Um, I've shown that uh, enthusiasm is spreading to more types of cars. Uh, it's not just 70 guys who show up in 911s talking about their... Uh, their uh, Deviated stitching. Whatever the hell, yeah, what, the, what, what piping they chose on a Tuesday in May. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, before we get into all of that, 
Uh, I guess some background on, on who we are and what we do, right? Or did, do, will do. Um, I uh, spent the last three and a half years at Stellantis, the artist formerly known as Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. Uh, for, Mike Trout. But, yeah. Before that, known as uh, Chrysler Group, LLC. Before that, known as Chrysler Corporation. Daimler Chrysler. Uh, before, Daimler Chrysler. Before that, known as Streetwalkers Anonymous. <laughs> no. Um, but... Uh, uh, I was in charge of uh, current product, or basically lead for in-market products at Alfa Romeo North America, which was a subsidiary of FCA and Stellantis. Uh, we, uh, I was responsible for the Giulia Stelvio and Tonale uh, vehicles in the U.S. market, so meaning getting them to market, setting pricing, setting special editions, feature content, making sure the ordering guides were correct, you know, going and talking with the media, my co-host. Uh, the media. Um, so, hey. so, and uh, and I don't really miss working with automotive PR people. So nothing personal. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I get to grill them when yeah. their stuff doesn't work. But yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. You've yeah. really seen how the sausage is made. You've seen why things cost Vol- what Volkswagen's they do. Volkswagen's highest selling part is sausage. Anyway, that is true. Yeah. Also, IKEA's highest selling part. I thought Who it was knew? meatballs. Meatballs, yes. Sausage. Anyway, whatever. Volkswagen and Ikea, meat purveyors of Northern Europe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So. Yeah, and and I am social editor at The Drive. That's uh, my day job. I enjoy it very much, getting to write about cars. You know, it's kind of really a dream come true and a culmination of a bunch of other things that we'll get into some other time. Um, but I always wanted to work in automotive media and now I've been doing it for just under two years. Um, but I have been a car nut my entire life. All I have ever really wanted to do is be around cars, learn about cars, write about cars. And so I feel lucky to get to do that every day. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the topic at hand, tonight's topic, uh, so, you know, in looking at some data, cause I'm a big person who believes in data, uh, or I believe in a lot of data or using data to support a point. I think like any logical, uh, argument is fun founded. Um, you know, I, I spent some time at Nielsen also as a, uh, you know, doing kind of automotive brand work and consulting. And, you know, we used to get the, 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 the later at FCA that was able to con- kind of combine that with. Uh, my work in pricing and, and, and product strategy. And so I used to get access to things like IHS and, and other these kind of big syndicated data sets that you can look at. So in taking a look at, uh, at some IHS syndicated data, which is what we're looking at and where this actually was sourced from, um, the United States, believe it or not, remains the number one market globally, at least as of two years ago, uh, for sports cars. By a pretty huge margin. Too. I mean, it's it's unit wise, yes. Percentage of the total market, no. <laughs> so, um, but in general, uh, and well, I think this is twenty one, so it's three years ago now. Um, uh, I don't think we know it's still twenty nineteen in some people's minds, but yeah. Uh, it, but around two hundred and twenty thousand sports cars were roughly were sold in twenty twenty one, which is about. And one this is th- all. This is all new cars. This is new cars. Okay. So I can't speak to used, but. You know, uh, uh, it's hard to kind of get data on used you mean, vehicles. You, you didn't count the eleven thousand dollar nine eleven that I bought in twenty twenty one. Yes, you bought an eleven thousand dollar nine eleven. So we'll get into what cars we own when we get closer to the discussion. But the bottom line is, you know, the, we're in the market that buys them the most often. 
Um, weirdly, convertibles are quite popular in the UK, despite the rain. So go figure that one out. But at any rate... Um, Serial optimists. Yeah, you know, hey, they're always surprised when it's raining. Um, but, you know, I think there's been some concern over what is the future of the sports car look like. You know, we know Porsche is going electric with Boxster Cayman. Um, we know that Lotus has shown off an electric supercar and that it's been strongly hinted, if not guaranteed, that the replacement for Elise will be electric. For Amira? No, Elise. Oh, Elise. Yeah. Uh, uh, or some kind of, maybe an Esprit rep- successor. They've, they've hinted at something that will be some kind of electric sports car. And so, right. you know, I have my own things, you know, and the funniest thing is I'm not anti-EV, right? I'm, I'm anti the way we're approaching EV right now. We're but- both anti... 6,000 pound car. I'm anti throw the biggest battery in range. And the market has kind of spoken, right? Like EVs have kind of stalled right now because they're all too expensive. They're all too big. They're all too uh, uh, excessive in terms of not weight necessarily. I mean, yes, but but in terms of uh, what, what the customer is uh, kind of wanting. They just want affordability, it seems right now. Um, yeah, so Tesla, others that can offer a compelling right. product. Hyundai. To Hyundai, $300 right. a month right. for an Ionic 6, 349 Good deal. Good deal. So, you know, but where does that factor in here? Well, the real issue with, with sports cars as a whole, and the reason they're sort of in decline, convertibles especially, um, are, are two things, right? Uh, you have what's called CAFE and GHG. So uh, in the old world, tongue, uh, CAFE was the corporate average, corporate average fleet, I'm sorry, fuel economy. Uh, so essentially, uh, it is the total combined fleet average of all vehicles that an OEM or a manufacturer makes, and they have to hit a certain target. Now, in the Obama administration, they were set at 54 and a half miles per gallon by 2020, I don't remember the date, but um, 2025, I think, but uh, 26. That was rolled back a bit under uh, the previous administration, uh, and then under President Biden, uh, I think those have been stepped up back again uh, to at least Obama levels, if not higher. Um, and, and they have also tried to clamp down also on trucks and, semi, and heavy-duty semi-trucks as well. And those numbers always sound really high, like you said, 54 and a half miles per gallon. Why is it that they sound so much higher than they actually are? Why do they sound? Because, uh, well, they actually are that high. I mean, getting a car to get getting a car to get fifty four miles a gallon is not that easy. Now, the, the Prius does it at fifty two, just about. Um, but most cars have, uh, you know, it's a, it's an average, right? So EVs kind of skew that pretty heavily. Yeah. Right. So EVs and and EMPG is a whole other thing, but that's basically what you're saying is yeah. that. Yeah, EVs M- really are heavily weighted into that average. Right, so MPGE is 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 fantastic, and you also get, I, don't, I wouldn't call them credits, but like I don't know bonuses or 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 something. I forget what it was, but when we launched Tonali, right, um, um, I, I think like a PHEV was worth like fifteen percent improvement in cafe, okay, or twelve percent something like that. So it wasn't a super huge amount, but every little bit counts, right? Because there are fines, right? And and keep in mind that like most average cars that are not EVs are not meeting the cafe target. So car companies are taking this pretty seriously. That's right. They need to shape up and quick. That's right. I mean, some of the stuff I used to see at some of our sister brands, uh, they they paid some interesting amounts uh, per unit on cafe funds. So, but anyway, everybody did. I mean, it wasn't just wasn't just FCA. So, 
Um, of course, my opinions do not reflect those of FCA or Stellantis, just full disclosure. Um, they haven't written them a check in uh, like No, six uh, I, have, I have separated from the company, so my opinions do not matter to them, nor do they represent them. So anyway, uh, and then GHG is what we call greenhouse gas compliance, right? And that's measured in a unit called teragrams. I won't get too into the, comp- the calculation. It's quite complicated. But essentially, um, you want that number as low as possible, right? So, you know, the loophole in this is that there is a classification by the EPA of two different kinds of big classifications. You have passenger cars, or PCs, or in, in, in Alpha's case, imported passenger cars, to be specific, and light-duty trucks. Um, light-duty trucks include most SUVs, most crossovers. There are certain requirements of what classifies a light-duty truck. I don't remember. I think it's based on size, volume, ride height, and a few other things. There are some things to do with approach and departure angle, too, Yes, I believe, mm-hmm. which is why you can get stuff like a Subaru Crosstrek to qualify, mm-hmm. but like an Impreza doesn't. Right. And you'll excuse me if I don't have the FMVSS or whatever EPA stand book of standards yeah, out we, in front of we us. Haven't been, uh, we haven't been pouring over. I don't, I don't have the EPA register in front of us, but at any rate, um, so you got LDTs, right? And the, and the light duty truck loophole basically, you know, um, uh, it provides a way for automotive companies, manufacturers to get you know, get, get, get away with not having to worry about the passenger car. Yeah. Essentially to, you know, to cheat. Right. Not necessarily cheating. It's a, it's it's not cheating. It's it's not cheating. It's reducing, it's it's reducing their, 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 uh, fines, right? Right. Burden. Well, there, yeah, it's a more profitable, it's double dipping. I mean, it's a more profitable segment. Right. It's been conditioned into the 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 buying, habits of the American populace and now Europe and other places too. And I think, you know, I think this light duty truck exemption has been discussed and exploited pretty heavily. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it was really, uh, I don't remember, but I think also it was, I think, I don't remember why it was created. I think it was for like followers or something. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, But, but at any rate, um, so, it did have to do with agriculture yeah. back when it was originally written up, but right. it's right. gone way beyond that. Right, of course. So, you know, the, 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 the plus point for automakers is that not only are SUVs and trucks much more profitable because pay off the tooling quickly because you sell so many units, right? They can charge more for them, so you got more margin. And on top of that, customers like them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a win-win for everyone in the eyes of the business, right? For sure. And car companies are here to make money. The downside is sports cars. What do they not do? They are not that efficient because you drive the bejesus out of them, unless it's a Miata or a Corvette with really tall gearing. Right. Uh, They are not that great for greenhouse gas because they're all gas, and they're not usually hybrid sports cars, unless you're buying an SF90 or a Revuelto or something that's millions of dollars. Um... And they are not light-duty trucks, so they hurt the CAFE score. Right. Right? So, anyway. And And customers don't really buy them. And as tough as our regs, and people don't buy them also because companies don't want to sell them in. That's true. People people have less money relative to expenses than they did 30 years ago. So a lot of people who 30 years ago could maybe afford a second car these days... Are stretched a little thin at you know without one or sounding, two cars without sounding too preachy, right? I mean, income gap is the biggest it's ever been. 
Uh, people who have the least, I would argue, have the least amount of disposable income they've ever had. For sure. Um, as, as, as exhibited by the fact that the subprime auto market is in the trillions. So, you know, um, if people had enough money to afford the car payments that they could afford, the subprime auto market would not exist or it would be much lower. Right. People would not be taking risky auto loans. Yeah. So, anyway. What, what you mean you don't want that Maserati Ghibli at... 144 month finance, 12% APR. I got a deal for you. I got a deal for you. I got you. a deal for you and it's 20% interest. Yes. Anyway, so. But like, and, and, yeah. and I just want to talk about these regulations for like one more second because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important for people to understand. Like, the reason that the new GTI is going to be automatic only, the reason the Mini Cooper, uh, mm-hmm. John Cooper Works, is going to be automatic only, the reason that car companies are doing this, besides less complexity, is because as strict as our regulations around fuel economy and greenhouse gas are, Europe is even stricter. That's right. Euro 7 emissions, um, which they've actually recently um, uh, they've kind of delayed implementation of some parts of Euro 7. Um, so like they're at Euro 6.4 right now. So it's kind of given a lease on life to a, a, a car that is close to my heart, the Quadrifoglio. Ah, yes. Quadrifoglio. Molto bene whatever you want to call it. Um, the, uh, that car uh, will actually live on for, I think, another year in Europe, um, past the U.S., uh, because of uh, the 6.4 changes. But, yeah, Euro emissions, and, of course, you know, they have emission zones now. So in Paris, you can't even drive a gas car, or at least an old diesel car, certainly, but even some gas cars, most cars, into the city center. Right. Um London has the ULES. It is uh, the ultra-low emissions zone. And having yeah. just gotten back from Colombia, a place that has no emissions regulation... Amazing. ...in cities yeah. where you're literally running through the city center and you're surrounded by two-stroke motorcycles and diesel trucks and diesel buses belching smoke. I mean, I've been supportive like emissions regulations in city centers... And, it, you know, at the same time, it is a shame that some of these things are just making it really uneconomical to create the cars that we all love to drive. Yes, correct. And also making it uneconomical for people who love cars who, who, who are even younger than us, maybe even less disposable income than the 14 cents that I have uh, to, <laughs> to, to spend on a car, right? So... You know, I, I do wonder what, you know, we'll get to that later, but what the future of car enthusiasm looks like because of this. Um, and so, at the same yeah. time, as we said earlier, like, the state of the hobby has never been brighter. You know, you have yeah. events like Grid Life. You have, yeah. you have this clear enthusiasm. And well, Radwood, you know, Radwood, which has kind of gotten, I think, in my view, a little bougie, uh, to use the term of the youth. Is uh, it bad and bougie? It is ratchet. Whatever Megan the Stallion said. Okay. Um, anyway, whatever. Um, I don't have whale tail thongs, but anyway, um, the the point is that I, uh, you know, we, you end up with these kind of um, uh, interesting, uh, you know, where the future is kind of pretty unwritten. I don't think it's as bleak as we think it is. No. Um, but 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 we will. It'll be interesting to see how these things change because now I'm. I'm kind of seeing the way things my folks saw them. You know, when my folks see, like, people who are, you know, uh, partial to, like, a Falcon or a Cors- Corvair, and they're like, what the, f- what the fuck?
fuck is this? So, <laughs> like, you know what? So, I mean, yeah, uh, the, yeah, the question is, where do you go when you're priced out of the hobby? I mean, right. I, speaking personally, I'm priced out of the new car hobby. I, and I couldn't. I couldn't go out right now and buy a new Civic Type R, to use an example. You know, that's a $50,000 car. At a 7.5% interest rate. Before ADM, at a 7.5% interest rate. I live in a city with a high... I live in, you know, one of the boroughs of New York City. I live in Brooklyn. And it's a pretty high cost of living. And, you know, even if I didn't, I think Mm -hmm. between... Buying, financing, maintaining, parking, insuring a new car, you're easily looking at high three to low four figures a month that a lot of people are spending. And that's just not, mm-hmm. you know, if you're spending 15, 17, 2000 on rent or a mortgage, adding another grand on top of that is simply not sustainable. So we're here right. to talk about some alternative right. options. So when I, you know, what, what we used to do at uh, work is what we used to look at what we call price bands, right? And so these are the different places in the market where a lot of cars play. So, you know, when it was Julia, when I was managing Julia, right, it was like that, you know, that 40 to $65,000 price band. Uh, and so in this case, right, we're looking at kind of three different price bands, you know, maybe uh, not zero, but unless your uncle has a lot of free cars. Hey, man. I, not your uncle. I'm talking about someone else's uncle because neither of us have uncles with free cars. Um, but, My uncle you know, definitely does not have free cars. No, no. Though but, he did teach me to drive stick. There you go. So uh, I, I'm hoping that's not a, a weird synonym for the birds and the bees. Definitely. Anyway, uh, so, you know, from like 2500 to $10,000 and then from like 11000 to 25000 and then you know, uh, uh, let's call it uh, 49, you know, 50,000 plus, right? Now, I'm not saying everybody has $50,000, but the, the idea behind these kind of groupings is value, right? Uh, I'm a big proponent of high value, low cost, but even at 50 grand, there's a lot of stuff that's giving you a lot of value Yeah, that is that you would pay 120 grand today to duplicate or replicate, right? right? So, I think it's safe to say everything that we're talking about, we feel, offers a strong value for money. And right. while every car costs money to own, you know, neither of us are believers in like investing in cars per se. You know, these are cars that you could own for substantially less co- total cost of ownership mm-hmm. than a comparable new car in terms of the experience that you're getting yeah, I mean, the wheel you run the risk obviously with an older car and being higher maintenance but if you buy smartly and you you know as with any of these right you buy the best one you can afford uh and that generally hopefully uh that's uh, your approach i try to i mean it hasn't well i mean i bought one car new like an idiot and watched it depreciate and then i bought one car used well, and you still it was, have it yeah i do i still have it one hundred and fifty-three thousand miles later um but at any rate, um, so at the ten thousand dollar, you know, well, before we get into this, you know, as far as what we drive, because like, I'll touch on that, well, why these kind of categories are relevant, right? So we, I drive a, a, a twenty eleven three series. It's a manual. It's a three twenty eight. I don't mess with turbo, uh, the E ninety turbo cars because they're I don't problematic. Think, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I think they're crap. Uh, they don't <laughs> they don't sound that good. They're not particularly reliable. 
Everybody says, just change the coils and plugs and change the charge pipe. I don't want to do any of that. The M55s are better. They're better, but they're still, they have their problems. Um, and, the, so, and the 328 is a peach, I will a, say. It's a great car to drive. It sounds great when you rev it out. Yeah. It has a good amount of power. It is, you know, it doesn't have all the torque in the world, but yeah. it is a pleasure to drive. And it really, like, that car is the, you know, straight six engine, manual transmission, rear wheel drive. Mm -hmm. Just a car that you could drive every day as you have for 14, 13 years. Yeah, I mean, I use happy. it. In the summertime, and now it kind of becomes a second car or a car to only drive into Manhattan or whatever. Uh, not that I try to drive into New York City, but if I'm going to Brooklyn to see you and, and, uh, and, your, and, your, and your barista with his man bun. Um, uh, I'm kidding. You have a, you have a fiancé. So. Gotta, gotta come, you know, yeah. expand the sneaker collection every once That's in a while. Right. That's right. It's got right. a big trunk. Hype beast. Uh, you know, um, and then the other car I treated myself to is, and this is me not showing I'm humble, the 21 M2 competition. So, but I bought it used. So don't don't think I have that kind of catch. And you and you worked hard. And also, like, yeah. that's 12 years in between car purchases. That's right. Yeah, I yeah, only buy my I only buy my cars every third presidential uh, administration. So, you know. Um, but well, anyway. I, I respect that you you know you didn't pay any uh, you didn't buy any cars during the Trump administration. No, so. no, no. Uh, uh, no secret. There, go, there goes half our family. There goes half the fucking. Sorry, the whole thing's fucked. Uh, and then <laughs> and then you drive what? I drive what? Do, oh man! So I when we met, I had a 2014 Audi A4 That's six speed that I had for six years. That was equivalent to your. 328. It was a great little car, great daily driver, 32 MPG on the highway. I put a lot of miles on that car. Right. I moved to New York City. I no longer really needed a daily driver, so I kept my 99 911 Carrera 4, 996. Um, this car I bought during the pandemic for $11,500. It had the bearing and the clutch done, it needed tires and brakes. And the interior and the exterior were rough, let's just say. I wouldn't say they were rough, it's just the seats were broken, yeah. basically. The body is straight, never been in an accident, no bumper, rust. The bumper just said it was a city car, so the car, well not city car, but it had probably lived in the city at some point. Yeah. So it had a lot of like nicks and cracks from like people backing into it's it. Patina. It's it it has patina. It has rock but, chips. But it's not like... You know, there's no body damage, there's no rust, there's no, no. accidents. It's I fine. I got very lucky. I got a PPI, which, mm -hmm. you know, I would recommend that people do this. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, so that car, I still have the 996. I moved with that car from Boston to New York, which is a very funny site. It was like completely full of house plants and uh, furniture and crap, which mm -hmm. is not easy to get into that car. Um, and I also drive, my daily now is a 2005 uh, V70R Volvo. He's um, really living that Brooklyn lifestyle. He's, he's yeah. just... The, the project car, I, it just keeps going. Uh, the project car is an 03 R53 Mini Cooper S, which has become like my passion project in the last six months. So the collective value of the cars has proven that the M2 is keeping real estate values in Astoria high. Anyway. Yeah, the collective uh, value of my cars is about $20,000. Correct. The less, uh, so, no, less generous way to say it. No, that. I'm joking. They're, they're, fine, they're fine cars. Uh, and they all drive well and they all run, most importantly. Uh, and most so, of them stop. Yeah. They, what do you mean? They all stop. They got brakes. All right, the Mini's, More or less. The Mini's a little soft. It's a little flaccid. 
Anyway, so NC Miata, right? So we'll talk. We'll the start. first word, yeah, we're talking. We'll get into What do you want to buy for $10,000? Or less. Or less. Yeah. Uh, so from, you know, with ten grand being the cap, right, you could look at a third gen Miata. These, these cars were made from about 06 till uh, 16, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think an NC2 for 10 grand is still a little optimistic. Maybe you're getting they're a around. high mile. They're around. But but they're not that frequent. The NC2 is the smiley one. The NC1 is the... Tic-tac mouth. Guppy guppy face. Yeah. Yeah. And these cars got a lot of flack when they were new because they were bigger. They were not as good looking in the eyes of some as the first two generations of Miata, which I I would argue an NC1 is more handsome than an NB, perhaps. They were they were also the heaviest Miata to date. That's also true. Yeah. On the flip side, they're affordable. Right. They're newer. I mean I mean they got Bose audio, they got you know, you can get a power retractable hardtop. I don't know if you can get one for ten grand, but they're around. Um, I don't know if I want one for ten grand with I mean, a power retractable hardtop. It's, it's a Mazda. I mean they're not that badly. They're pretty well made. But that's fair. Um, it is more weight. They're comfortable. They're uh they're just as good a sports car as they are a cruiser. They have an okay trunk for a small car. Yeah. Um, they're reasonable on gas. I mean, I've driven an NC pretty extensively. I had a friend, my friend Bobby that you met, had an, had an extens, had a, um, was it Bobby? Someone else. No, it wasn't him. It was someone else had an NC. Um, and, and they're wonderful cars. You know, they drive really well. They're, they're obviously the most raced car in the world. Yeah. Uh, in history, I think, at this point. Um, and they're fine. You know, uh, I personally am not the biggest Miata fan myself. Yeah. So but... I, I've owned two NA Miatas, both of which were purchased for under $2,000. And I loved both of them. But the NA Miata is now a 30-year-old car, for better and for worse. And yeah, they yeah, are... The, the youngest one is... The youngest 90, one's 96, 26 right? years old. The youngest one is a 97 so it's now 27 years old. Yeah. Um, look, NA Miata is an iconic car. I love the way they look. It's also a death trap. I mean, is, I yes. failed a broomstick test in that car because my head just sticks above, you know, especially in a helmet, but even not in a helmet. It's like, pretty rough. If you're over, I'm six foot two. If you're over six feet, you're not going to fit well in an NA Miata. And these cars are iconic for a reason, and they're reliable, yeah. but yeah. they're really kind of past their time in terms of actual value for money because the bad ones. Yeah, I hear been, I hear people screaming. I know, but yeah, yeah, I know. But but but, but it's you and, know the reality is uh, it's one hundred and eighteen horsepower. I don't care how light the car is; it's so goddamn slow. I I've, I've had two of them, and I loved how they drove. I just yeah. think. I mean, for ten to fifteen grand, which is what a nice NA is going for now, yeah. I think you can do better, and I think an NC at that price point is a much better buy. I agree. Than an NA. I agree. It's you know, it's a solid hundred and seventy horsepower. It's usable power. You can merge safely onto a highway. I don't care what people say. It's actually mer- You can merge onto a highway safely in yeah. an NC Miata. It's got crumple zones. It's got side impact airbags. It's got actual airbags. It's, you know, the heaviest Miata is still not that heavy. It's like 25, 2,600 pounds. I spent a week yeah. with an NC Miata in Los Angeles mm. a couple, few years ago and put like 600 miles on it, a lot of canyons, went up to Santa Barbara, 
it's a much more livable car. So mm-hmm. thumbs up for NC Miata. I'm, I'm good on that. Uh, which reminds me of the car I actually like. It's German cousin. Well, not cousin, but it's German alternative, the Z4. First Boss, gen do you, Z4. Do you like BMWs? I do. I, I can't tell. Um, no, the first gen Z4 has the distinction of being one of those rare occasions where BMW makes a reliable car. Uh, and the Z4 E86. The hell is this? It chassis code. Uh, I might be wrong on this. Um, I think it's the E86. Uh, first gen Z4. Uh, the flame surfacing. Like the queen, the king of flame surfacing. Uh, uh, a love child of uh, Adrian Van Hoylonk and, and Chris Bangle. Um, that car has aged really well. When it was new, actually, I didn't think it was that attractive. And now it's, now it's great looking. And, and I love the Z. Yeah, if you look at the side profile of the car and trace mm-hmm. from the front fender down the door and then yep. along the bottom, like uh, the top of the sill, bottom of the door, mm-hmm. it's a Z. And I just think that's I'll be cool... impressed if you know what the Z and Z4 stands for. Zen. Zunkuft. Okay. Which means I Zunkuft. What is Zunkuft? Which means future in German. Okay. Um, so you know, that made sense for the Z1. Yes, they just kept it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so anyway, they're good value. You know, the nicest one in the world, if you really want to break the bank slightly, is like 12. Yeah, we've seen good ones for, you know, in the 10 to 12 range yeah. for sure. And you can get into one for... I've eight, seen I've seen one as cheap. I've seen if you look for an early O three like a three liter, it's like five, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you want one that doesn't have a million mile, like sub hundred k miles, you can think, get one for eight to ten. I never, you know, I mean, there's always that one odd one, but I haven't seen. I mean, it's a convertible, it's a roadster, yeah. so people aren't putting that much mileage. A lot right. of these were second cars when yeah. they were new, yeah. second, third yeah. cars. So. So that's good on Z4, which, you know, obviously uh, I'll, I, I vouch for E90. I won't get too into it. But basically, if you get an NA E90, they're brick shit houses. They're real tough. They don't need much other than oil leaks and... Uh, other than oil leaks and transmission <laughs> services and guibos no, 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 and the, the, broken well, springs. All that stuff is wear item, but, you know... Broken uh, springs? It, that's from Boston. <laughs> um, but, no, the... <laughs> no, the... Uh, I'll say this much. The... the the, as long as you're not getting the turbocharged examples, which people are like, that's a, the forged internal. Uh, no, that's not, that's not, you know, I don't need that, right? Uh, it's it's also just, you know, coils, plugs, charge pipes, intercooler issues, you know, not intercooler issues, but like all the piping that's yeah. plastic and garbage and brakes and, and boost leaks everywhere. No, no, thank you. Um, so I will, I will stick with an NAE 90 on that. Uh, the manuals are great. The automatics drive like trash because it's a ZF6 HP, which is crap. Mm-hmm. And is a heavy flex plate and soppy throttle response. Uh, E46s are fine. I just think they're too old now. Yeah. The newest one is, 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 is just shy of 20 years old. That's fair. It's a shame because it's such a great looking car. But oh, they should... look great. But they're, you know, all the problems of the E46, bad window regulators, uh, uh, the rear subframe mount issue that would crack. Yeah. Uh, none of that happens on an E90, and yeah. it drives just as well. They figured a lot of shit out. It was kind of at that nice point where you still had naturally aspirated engines, manual yep. transmissions, but you weren't yet, you know, y- y- you you were past a lot of the random shit that would fail. So basically, if you want an E46, you got to... 
at this point, it's like a second, third car, and you have some money to spend on. Basically, and and I would argue that, and people are going to crucify me, but the E ninety, I think, is the last generation of BMW that drove better than the generation before it. I think that's fair. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, Cooper S. We've talked about it's well, we haven't talked about, but a Frank Stevenson masterpiece. Uh, designed by the man Frank Stevenson, who did also the Fiat 500 Abarth, the 500, the first-gen X5, and a bunch of McLarens. Yeah, so I'm, I'm biased here. I think you this is them. a future classic. It is. Um, and I don't mean that in, like, it's going to be worth a million bucks, but I think it's going to be something that... Well, they're, the, 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 they're going to be harder to find good. The rate of attrition is high, because yeah. people, I mean, these were 26, they were 23 grand when they were new. I mean, this car made a big splash 21 years ago when it came out. Well, it was the first expensive small car. Yeah, it was. And it was infinitely customizable. Right. It was a hoot to drive. And it it was expensive, small, and customizable. But so was the smart car, but the smart car was terrible. Well, the Mini was fun to drive. Yes, that's the thing. And the smart car also, like, we don't have the issue... Like, we have parking issues, but we don't need a car that small to, no, to solve them. Not, not in the United States. So, but the, the Cooper yeah. S, they sold the Coupe from 2002 to 2006, convertible 05 to 08. What you really want, if you can get one, is an 05 or 06 Coupe with the limited slip diff. Um, a good one of those sub 100k miles, you're probably looking 10 to 12 grand for a really and nice What do you one. have? You don't have an 05 no. or 06 with no limited I, I have slip. an 03 with, with an, an open, open diff. diff. <laughs> I bought it from the original owner um, who lived in my neighborhood. It was just kind of one of those fun stories. You come across mm-hmm. this car. I had wanted one for a long time. Um, mine's gray with a white top. Um, I've been modifying it been working on it and right. doing a lot of stuff with it i mean we took it for a couple drives last they're weekend great. it's a yeah it's a supercharged engine yeah. iron block they're pretty robust they the only thing about these cars is like if you're taking them apart to do one thing you're taking them apart to do, do everything, everything because they're just so tightly packaged it's but, very yeah it's a very tight package but again you know that's what happens when you're trying to make a modern car with the wheels literally at the corners yeah and that's, you know, you look at the overhangs on the on the new Mini, and they clearly uh, learned their lesson. That's right. It's but, a BMW. But it's uh, it's a good car. So, um, you know, a 500 Barth is kind of half a car. It's not really a car, but they're fun to drive. I know people are going to yell at me, but it's I think it sounds like a sewer pipe. You know, I don't think it's great sounding car. Um, their driving position is not my favorite. I you no. sit on a stool. I drove one for a weekend. It was it was fun. It was let's that just was say Toro rental, right? Yeah, I rented right. one on Turo in LA. Oh boy. It was ergonomically challenged. Yeah, you sit really high and you sit with the wheel at a strange angle coming out of the dash and you just feel like you're in an empty room. And I thought with the steering wheel. I th- I think either the Mini or the Fiesta ST is a better drive. Yes. Fiesta ST is still probably the Abarth yeah, Bar- has a lot of personality, but I don't need that amount of compromise every day. If you want to wonder whether the gear lever is going to come up in your hand after you shift into third, buy a five hundred Abarth. It's weird, right? With the the thing out of the dash, uh, I will give honorable mention to the Kappa Twins, the Solstice, and the which are not fraternity or sorority girls. Uh, no, the, they could the, be. Ca- the Kappa platform um, was uh, GM's attempt to beat the Miata, which I thought was such a strange place for them to foray into, but cool. 
Uh, Solstice and the Sky, uh, both great cars, Saturn Sky and Pontiac Solstice. They had a choice of engine options. You could have a 2.4 liter with 177 horsepower. It's basically an engine out of a Malibu or something. Um, Ecotech. And then you had the 2 liter Ecotech Turbo with 260 horsepower. Uh, I don't remember the torque, but it was probably about the same. And uh, a GM Performance Tune that could take it to 290 horsepower, which the car only weighed like 3,000 pounds. It was Somewhere like, Peter Holdreth is uh, screaming and beating his chest. Ah! <laughs> so, anyway, uh, and then my favorite of those were the mallet converted ones that ran like an LS2 or an LS3. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was like 440 horsepower in that. Which those is, are cool cars. They're transverse leaf spring. I don't hear anyone talking about those, and I think that is about to be an emerging enthusiast platform in the next... 10 years as let's just say the original owners get into their elder years yeah they're maybe, they're they're boomers maybe uh, move away from the platform they got they got high socks and white shoes yes uh clemens uh so anyway eighth gen hondas right so you got civic si yep. uh the rsx and tsx twins i mean the tsx is is basically a uh, a, it feels like a big civic i mean it's a really nicely appointed car i thought i drew i drove one in 06 when it was new, a friend of mine in high school got one. Uh, it was black wow. on tan with nav. Ooh. Ball. And manual and a sunroof. Uh, they all had sunroof. Uh, but it was it was a great car. Fabulous gearbox. No torque whatsoever. You could beat the living piss out of it. It was a wonderful car to drive. Did the TSX have a K24 as it's the well? Same exact or engine K20? As the same exact K20 engine as the... As the Civic, wow. I think. I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was a two liter. So those are really, yeah. really tunable. Really, the first gen, first engines. gen TSX, not the second gen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are those are great options, and I think the enthusiast mm. market has like warmed up to them a bit. Yeah, especially the eighth gen Civic. But like potentially, if if you can't afford an eighth gen Civic, or all the ones near you are roached out beyond belief, maybe look for a first gen TSX. That's a joke because we both live in apartment buildings and there are roaches. No, that's not true. Anyway, I've never seen a roach here. Uh, it's, I won't speak for my apartment. I have ladybugs. Um, and then two oddball things I found while browsingcars.com. That's not a plug, I'm just looking at them. Uh, a Volvo we P- are not sponsored. We are not sponsored. We have no money. Uh, Volvo P eighteen hundred ES. It was in Denver. It was nine grand. It was ninety three hundred dollars. It was yellow. How and much it, rust? It was mint. It had no rust. Okay. No. No visible rust. No visible rust. But I don't really know what a P eighteen hundred ES is worth. Uh, that's like. I mean, it was obviously a driver, but it was yeah. not like a, a shit house. It so, depends heavily on condition. I mean, a nice yeah. one. I feel like the nicest ones are like twenty five. I mean, I could pull up. I could look at bring a trailer. And take a look at her, but yeah, P eighteen hundred is a really nice one. Is yeah. probably twenty five. A right. shit one could be, you know, two grand with apparently four it's boxes. Ni- of apparently, parts. it's ninety three hundred dollars, and it was in Denver. Uh, the other one I found Saab nine three Vigan nine three was obviously the successor to the famous nine hundred. Nine three was the well, it was also called the nine hundred originally, then it became the nine three. Uh, essentially, the Vauxhall Vectra platform. They change, of course, Saab being Saab. They changed forty-two thousand things, and uh, and nobody cared. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, people cared, but it was Saab, right? So Saab did everything the Saab way, right? And so it had like it just was peculiar. A friend of mine, actually, my friend Mason in Chicago, just bought one, a two-door, nice. three-door, whatever you want to call it, in lightning blue, which is of course That's the iconic color. color. Yeah. 
you know, the famous colors. I remember sitting in a vegan at the New York Auto Show when they were new in 2000, uh, or 99 and 2000. Uh, they had the yellow, they had the silver, the blue, the black. It's a fun little oddball yeah. performance car. Yeah, they're weird. It was 222 horsepower. It was pretty brisk for the time. And since it you shared, know. what else did it share that engine with? Anything? I think it was just Saab's 2-liter yeah. 2.3 or 2 liter turbo, whatever it was. I'm just wondering about parts availability now that those are 20 years old. But they should Don't be. Don't ask me. They should be. I mean... It's probably got some Vox We're not sponsored but... by FCP Euro, but I bet FCP Euro can get parts for that thing. I'll ask Alex. Okay. Um, Nelson knows what's up. So, yeah. Anyway. But that's a, good, that's a good one. So, like, one theme from this list. Yeah. Small. Most small... Simple. Naturally aspirated. Mostly. Simple, mostly naturally aspirated. Yeah. Fairly simple cars. You're yeah. spending 10 grand. The last thing you want to do is go and buy a $10,000 AMG because that was a $150,000 car new. That's correct. And when the air suspension fails, it will total the car. Yeah, I just saw an $8,500 E60 535. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. So, so that's an example of what you don't want to get into at this price range. Think small, think simple, think lightweight, yep. less consumables. Okay. Yeah. So 25 grand, uh, up to 25 grand. So that's like 11 to 25 grand. Uh, you know, obviously you got the BRZs are out there, FRSs, whatever. They're all out there. Yeah, the um, first gen cars, or you can push it to 30 and get a new one. It's a little tough. They're they're kind of pricey. They're like in the mid thirties for a decently equipped one. Fair. Um, so that, man, that new car seven and a half percent interest rates. That new engine is so much better. Uh huh. Yeah, but you could have basically eighty five percent of the experience for twelve. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's it worth to to someone? So yeah. Uh, Mark Seven Golfs. The early Mark Sevens are getting pretty affordable. Also, if you want to be an interesting guy, you could have a three door. Uh, yeah. Very early Mark 7 three-doors are, I think, going to be collectible, the three-door three GTIs. My pick from the Mark 7 range would be a three-door GTI, dark blue, with plaid seats. Yes. Or whatever, anything that's a color. Just get the plaid seats. Yeah, please. as long as you have a color. It's not silver or black or white. Um, honorable mention to the facelift, cornflower blue. Or a Spectrum car. Um... Whatever your name is, Megan something or other VW, golf clap for keeping it. Ah, I like what you did there. I like what you did there. um, Anyway, uh, C5 Corvette, hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, Maybe even a cheap Z06. I would would get a lithograph of Hulk Hogan's face on the back windshield. Anyway, what? So for 25, maybe even a cheap C5 Z06 or an early C6. You know, I tried looking for C5 Z06s. It was pretty hard to find one. Okay. There, I'm sure they're around. Yeah. I'm sure they're around. I could not find one, but I can tell you that you can get plenty of LS1, obviously, uh, C5 Corvettes. Yep. Um, I even caught a fixed roof coupe, which was shocking. Wow. Um, Those are rare. Yeah. Uh, and I... And, there are, believe it or not, more, at least five, four to five C6 LS2 cars. So for those who don't know, when the C6 Corvette came out in 05, five, yeah. late 04, I think even, uh, it was available with the LS2 for about a year, or two years, I think, until 08 was when the uh, LS3 came in. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, these LS2 cars, there's nothing wrong with them. They just have a little bit less power. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't know any stories of the LS2 being a problem. But, I don't. Not that I know. You know. If I do know, my my friend Mike Alberding up in Boston, his LS7 blew up. I've um, heard of LS7s having some issues. No warning whatsoever. It just let go. He was, you know, merging onto the highway, 3,000 RPM. He had just changed the oil maybe a few days beforehand. I heard but they it was can suffer oil. from oil starvation. Yeah, so I mean, this car, he had a Blackstone analysis done 30 miles prior to his engine going. Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah, valves let go. So, how much, after, the new, how much the new LS7? So, they stopped selling the crate motors, but you can get a used one for like 10 grand. They but then you have to build it. LS7s? Like last year, apparently. Cafe? I don't know. I have no idea. Weird. But. Uh, anyway, uh, 996, uh, they are available. Uh, you can get a real ratty one, but the prices, I will argue that prices have shot up considerably. On and they've, cool, they've calmed down recently. They have recently, but, you know, I will I will say that dot twos are getting pricey. Dot ones are, you If you, you can still find bargains. They're I out still there. think a 99 rear-wheel drive car is the one to have. It's the lightest. It's the lightest water-cooled 911. It's under 3,000 pounds. Cable throttle, if yeah. you like that. Um, I do like that. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's a really nice car. That's I actually have, that's actually yeah. my pen name. Cable, Cable throttle. throttle. Yeah. Nice. That's not even funny. Go on. <laughs> anyway, give you two stars for that one. One and a half. But yeah, nine nine six. Uh, it is a mechanically robust car if you take care of them. Yeah, we know I mean, about the bearing. We all know the stories. Great. Like I've put yeah. twenty thousand miles on mine, trouble free for what it's worth. But like. Yeah. You know, any of these cars, you're buying a used car. A lot of them will have these flaws that people talk about. And, like, Porsche with the bearing stuff was, like, pretty tight-lipped yeah. over the years. Yeah. But there are now fixes on the aftermarket if that's something that is, you know... I know plenty of people who are driving the cars with 120, 150,000 miles on them, never changed the bearing no issue. Yeah, but. Bo- bo- which goes along with saying, you know, it's cousin, the 986, 987 Boxsters. Yeah. Uh, and, and the 987 Cayman. Early Caymans, possibly S's. There are some S's out there uh, you can kind of get in that $25,000 range. Uh, for sure, Boxsters all day long. But uh, Caymans are, um, you know, certainly will be a dot one Cayman. You will not find a dot two for that. The DFI Well, motors. the dot twos basically don't exist. Never payments? see them. Yeah. Now, well, yeah, because people like them you too much. Never see them. And the DFI and they motor, did, they made them for like two years. Yeah, and also the DFI motor is bulletproof, pretty much, so it's it doesn't have any of those those issues. But, but yeah, you know, they're around. It's the same story as a nine nine six. I don't want to get too into it. Z three M Roadster S fifty two cars, or I would say you can still get for the twenty five thousand dollar mark. Not sure. the best handling thing. They're kind of a little. Uh, uh, Larry, they it's have trailing a trailing arm, right? It's like a, yeah, E30 yeah. It's suspension. E30 rear suspension, which I people will yell at me. I think it sucks. Okay. Um, it is fine with 240 horsepower. The second you start putting like 315 in there, or you supercharge it, it is unruly and frightening. I don't think so. Uh, it's only a it's only a 245 rear tire. It's not that big. I love a clown shoe. They're great. Um, I too like Ronald McDonald. However. Uh, he makes a nice house. 
Um, but, but at any rate, uh, you know, that goes along with like, you know, why have that? I argue when you can have the E36 M3, which yes, it's not as sexy, but it's, it's got real rear suspension. So it's either not as sexy or less ungainly. I know. I just saw a a handsome car. I saw a perfectly nice rust-free convertible for like 14 the other day. Uh, I'll tell the uh, tell the audience what you're dealing with on the top of your... Yes, Ross has another car. Uh, we don't talk about it. It's a 99, <laughs> 99 M3. And it's uh, giving him con- convertible top issues. It, it, um, it likes to hit the tonneau cover on the way down and up because the motor is weak. Yeah. I found out that's about a $3,800 repair to take the entire top mechanism out. So maybe don't buy the convertible. No, but I'm just saying if you want the drivetrain, it's there. Um, but yeah, the coupes, the coupes are getting a little pricey now. Good E36 M3s are, are in the twenties now. Um, I'd say you could probably get a really nice coupe, I think for 20, uh, 21. Um, E46 M3s, they're, they're starting to become difficult to find. I don't think in the twenties, I think they're like a $30,000 car now. I they're going up. Yeah. And then, you know, E90 M3s, E39 M5s, they're out there. They're extremely expensive. Uh, as far as maintenance goes. Yeah, a word of caution on those engines with higher mileage. Just be prepared. Very high mileage cars. I mean, you got rod bearings on the on the M3, on the V8 M3s, throttle body actuators, you know, the usual BS main bearings on some of them had issues. I'll always have a soft spot for the S62 with independent throttle bodies. Yeah, yeah. E39 M5, like the S62 is a good motor, but it is a high performance engine that requires to be maintained. I did find a few uh, F22s, which is the 2 Series, the first generation 2 Series coupe. A couple of M235s. Again, it's an N55, not my reliability choice, but they're out there. It's a good, I like the engine. Yeah. That car, just in non-M2 guys, it's very just kind numb. of drives weird, especially the X-Drive cars. Yeah. It's a great drivetrain, but the chassis is very... Strange. Yeah. It's, it's a car that ticks off... Like, it's kind of the way I feel a lot about a lot of modern BMWs other yeah. than the M2s. It's yeah, like yeah. they check all the boxes on paper, and then when you drive them, they're a little bit clinical. Right, yeah. Just depends on the car. Yeah, M235, it, I think the mistake was putting an M in front of it, you know, trying to monetize. <laughs> M is for money. M is for... Uh, M is for money. Yeah, Spaceballs yeah. 2, the search for more money. Um 370Z gets an honorable mention. I find that car weird in stock form. It, I drove a few of them stock new, and they, they really didn't like. And Chris Harris actually also drove this car actually, and you can watch his review online somewhere deep in the archives of YouTube. Um, it was a car that really didn't like being driven above about seven or eight tenths. That sounds like the newsy. Yeah. And I think the chassis wasn't finished, but I think that, you know, part of it was the Gone era at Nissan, uh, which is a whole other story, but he was a notorious cost cutter. And so I think they were like really limited on what they could do. And the great thing is that the aftermarket is so plentiful for that car that a lot of those numbness or chassis issues can be, you know, the fundamental chassis, the FM platform is pretty good. Yeah. But you can fix it with a lot of what's going on in the aftermarket, right? I so, think I would personally yeah. rather have a 350. Z. Yeah, sure. I mean, either one. But a, three, either a 370 is going to be a newer car. It's nice to have the torque. It's a little torquier. It's, yeah. It has possibly more storage space. 
I don't actually know the specifics on that. But I don't know. But inside, at least, I found the motor sounds horrendous in the cabin. It, like, moans its way up to speed. Well, then you put an exhaust on it, and then you're playing the trumpets. Okay. Oddball mentioned C30 T, uh, Volvo C30. It's not that aggressive of a hot hatch, but it's kind of a lukewarm God, hatch. They look so good. But they look great. They look so fucking and good. With, and with the Polestar, it's 247 horsepower, so it's pretty okay. You know, I bet you could get one of those under 15. Um... Yes, you could, but I mean, I knew some, if you Maybe want close to ten. If you want the Polestar one? It's like they're they're solidly twenty grand. Okay, solidly twenty two five. Um, they one didn't make my, many. They made like two hundred and fifty of the Polestar ones in the blue. One of my neighbors has a red like twenty eleven C thirty R design manual six speed, and every time I walk by that car, I'm like very desirable. I know the I know objectively my Mini is like much more fun to drive, but that car is so good looking. The early non pre facelift ones with the brown body kit with mm. the sport wheels, those look pretty good actually. Interesting. Uh, and so now for the deep uh, bowling on a budget slash, if you actually have this kind of disposable income, God bless, because I don't. So we're talking like up to fifty. Up to fifty. So, okay, so 50 it, it was sold, but I did catch a very nice DB9 being sold by a dealer, uh, manual, Aston Martin DB9 manual coupe. For Martha f- Stewart. For uh, 49.8 is what they wanted for it. It had about 50,000 miles on it. These cars aren't that scary. People get scared around Aston's because they're British and they're, you know, they, people, everybody thinks they're built like shit. Um, they're really not. They're really not. I mean, the the electronics can be hit or miss sometimes, but most of the electronics on the on the DB9 are Volvo, so it's like it's fine. You can just call the uh, the Aston Martin factory and they'll send you your parts in a leather bag. Not quite, but they did send it to you in two day shipping. Uh, I have called them about something else. So anyway. Uh, yes, Ross also has an Aston I don't, Martin. I don't have an Aston Martin. My <laughs> folks have an Aston Martin, and it's and it's 25 years old. 20, no, actually, it's 27 years old this year. It's as old as me. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You're, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it was a November 96 build, so it's actually older than you. Yes. Um, and and uh, rustier. And no. it, not, it's not rusty. The car The car is worth about four cents today, so, you know. <laughs> but, but at any rate... Um, so yeah, you got the, the V8 Vantage, you can still find them for under 50. Uh, I, not as plentiful, the sticks, I mean, they have jumped, after the pandemic, they jumped about 10 grand in price. The V8 Vantages. Yes, the yeah. V8 Vantages. DB9s or whatever. And the V8 Vantages... It's like a know, big boy Z4. Small, small stuff might break, but like they're pretty robust yeah. when it comes to the drivetrain. Yeah, yeah. It's a dry sum V8. What's pricey on those is oil changes. Obviously, it takes 14 quarts on a change. It's dry sump. That's a it's lot. very time-consuming oil change. It requires three drain plugs, um, or two, I think. Two I or think three. my 996 takes like 11 quarts. Doesn't surprise me. It's a Porsche. Um, yeah. It's also a flat engine. Or yeah. Probably has a big sump. Yeah. Uh, and then the V8 Vantage also has a transaxle, so a clutch is about a $4,500 job. I've seen. That's the same as a 944. Is it? A 944 is like three. It's the same thing. It's price. Transaxle, you're dropping yeah. a torque tube. Yeah. All that. So so there's that. And then what's the other thing that's... Oh, brakes. Brakes are about $2,700. Um, they're steel. They're just expensive. 
Uh, you know, big boys. I won't advocate for the DB7. It's fine. It's a beautiful car. It certainly doesn't drive as well as the V8 Vantage or the DB9, but it is a very pretty car. And I would argue most modern Aston Martins basically look like an evolution of that. Yeah. So, uh, which is kind of funny to me. It's the car that saved the company. So, uh, M2 competition, I will argue for. Uh, they can be found under 50 with higher mileage in like the 50,000 range. They're pretty bulletproof mechanically. People like to bitch about the crank hub. It happened on very few cars, and it mostly is on DCT cars, and it's also if you're tuned. Mm. So uh, don't tune the car. Anyway, and I've driven that car. It doesn't need more power. Animal. <laughs> um, the regular M2 is, is the real value prop. I We just ran into someone who had one, a 41,000-mile example. He paid forty grand, forty one grand out the door. I, I really like the N55 cars. They're great. Because it's a nice... They're wonderful. The rear suspension is a bit better in terms of like the chassis is less snappy. On the competition, okay. Um, the motor, I think, is still too much motor for the car, but that's just me. C six Z six. Sorry, Mike. Sorry. Do the uh, do the valves. Just yeah. do the valves. C six Z six. They're out there for fifty. I've seen them. Um, you used to be able to get ZR ones for fifty. I don't know if that's still the case. Somebody's somewhere's got one in a bubble with seven miles. Like on before it. the pandemic, like eighteen, nineteen, I used to see ZR ones like the forty five thousand dollar mark. C six so. C six Z six is a great car. I mean, my so yeah. my uncle once had one of these actually as a company car. Mm-hmm. It was a company lease. I guess they gave him a budget. Um, everybody else in the company ran out and got a Mercedes sedan. He was like, so you're it. telling me that the C six Z six was a stipend from work? Well, he had a lease stipend, and so this is what he went out and got. Because he was, you know, he was an enthusiast. And yeah. this was the first car I remember being genuinely scared in. Just they, how, were, they, were pretty, they were pretty hairy. How fast it accelerated. Yeah. Until the C6Z06s got, like, Magride and the R-Comps, like, in the later years. Yeah. Like, the Centennial Edition, like, the very end in, like, 13. If I you think. can find one with Magride, that's a really great that's the car to have yeah and z06 without magride is kind of i think they're kind of sketchy and weird depends Um, on the road it's they seem to have done a lot when they put magride on them and just kind of fixed things although i had a doctor who was also a big car guy he had a c6 z06 popped a motor on track yeah ls7 problems yeah apparently they have oiling issues atsvs and ct4v black wings what do we think or ct4vs oh they're still pricey they're new they're expensive, right? ATSVs, though, you could get under 50. I think you can. They're great. I drove a couple. They're fabulous cars to drive. The motor doesn't sound like anything. They fix the sound. I say fixed. I mean, it's a lot better on the 4V Blackwing, but but that's also 70 grand still. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the ATSV, it's such a sweetheart of a car. It does everything you want it to. It doesn't snap at you. It's got great feel through the elect- for the E-Pass. It's amazing that GM can do this. Uh, when they do, when they tune their performance cars, they really know what they're doing. Um, it's got a fabulous Tremec transmission. The motor is super responsive, even though it doesn't sound like anything. It's not a great sounding engine, the V, but man, is it a great car. I drove it at Tail of the Dragon, and I drove a different one that was a slick top manual uh, in Pennsylvania, and it's just it. They're just fabulous cars. I mean, I cannot emphasize enough. It does everything right that a BMW does wrong. So. so that's a really interesting counterpoint if you're looking at an M2. Maybe also consider ATS-V. Yeah, if you can find a stick coupe V, 
Good tap that's, options. That's rare. Good tap options. Um, okay. Yeah. So Integra type vests, kind of maybe. They're like 52. Maybe you can wheel and deal a little bit. I don't think anyone's getting money off on I those, don't think so. Civic if type, you can stretch it, yeah. Civic sure. type R is new. Um, but they're 45 if you don't talk, if you don't deal with a dickhead dealer. Uh, and if you also don't touch the forged wheel option, which is like another five grand, like, I don't know, it's like four grand on top of the price. Um, did we ever think that we would see a civic with a four grand wheel option in our life? I don't even know. I think it's like $3,900 or something, but it's, it's expensive. And that's the one that gives you the cup twos. But by all, by all means. Great cars. Great I mean, cars. Happy that we're living in a timeline where Honda is absolutely kicking ass. Well, it's nice. Hatches. It's nice to see them back. This is, was my childhood. When and those were. cars, like those modern Civics, have so much legroom. They're really practical cars. They're you huge can, and they they're inoffensive, which is what Hondas used to be. You could have a Civic you know, Type R or an Integra Type S as your only car. Yes, you could. I think the wing is a little much for me. I think I'm yeah. kind of in the Integra Type S camp. I'm, I'm in the Integra camp as a daily because I want heated seats. That's yes, just look better, I think. I just want heated seats. That's true. Okay. We, we live in Passenger Princess New York. Over here. Passenger yes. Princess. Uh, S550 Mustang Mach 1s, I think they're still available under 50. I think you can get them. And bullets, too. Yeah, bullets. But the bullet has the MT82. The Mach 1 gives you the Tremec. Okay. So you get the GT. Speaking of which, you can get a Shelby GT350. You can find one that has already had its motor replaced. Uh, those Some of those early Voodoos had motor issues. Just make sure that oil filter is on tight. Yeah, those 16s and 17s, apparently the mo- the filter would spin off. By on track. From most, vibrations. Most of the times that I've yeah. heard it's been on track. A couple of YouTubers had like a car set on fire from that. Um those, yeah, I mean, those engines are pretty cutting edge, but they were also, you have to remember, they were, like, sort of developed on a budget. It was Ford's so, first flat-plane crank V8 in production. Yeah, they had some weird vibration S- stuff. but And it was also, everybody always said, engineers used to say that you couldn't make a flat-plane crank engine over four and a half liters. Yeah. And Ford is like, hold my beer. Hold my beer. So, hold my, my Billy beer. Anyway. Hold my double IPA. Yeah, so Vipers, uh, believe it or not, there are Vipers out there. They are shooting up in value very quickly. That's a good um, buy. That's a good buy and hold. First gen and second gen. So the second gen Viper is really just the first gen coupe. Reclothed. Re, yeah, with a coupe. And they, they, well, you know, they call it a second gen because they change so much under the skin. They fix the exhaust so that it didn't burn you. They, uh, they, they, they put airbags in it. They put a, B, uh, I think they should have just put a sticker on the exhaust that was like, careful, hot may burn you. They did. It didn't work. (laughs) Anyway, so classic uh, America, you know, so that, that car was sold is beyond me. Um, they just changed a lot on the GTS that made it better. Um, still Viper, but you know, and I just think it has one of the best names in the business Viper for a car. Um, That's good. Gen 3 with higher mileage, they're available under 50. The 1s and 2s, you used to be able to get a Gen 1, like a like an RT10 for like 15. Yeah, like a beater. Like 20. Um, now they're like 30, solidly, if not 40. Um, so they're, they're around. I would prefer if you can find a higher mileage Gen 2 or a Z, ZB, whatever that, what is that chassis code? I don't remember. I have um, no idea. Yeah. So anyway, that would just be my my, my two cents. And then um, um, what was the other one I was going to say? Oh, yeah. And then uh, you might be able to sneak in a higher mileage Gen 3, which 
That, I don't particularly like the way that car looks. I don't remember who designed the Gen 3. I should know this is an FCA alum. I'll, I can hear Ren Stone, the current, one of the, one of the big FCA SRT designers, killing me because he has a Gen 5. Uh, and I can also hear Ralph screaming. But anyway, um, but yes, they're so passionate. You know, a, a shout out to the FCA design guys at the PDO, Product Design Office. They are so passionate about Viper, still, a car that went out of production seven years ago. I mean, that was a passion project from the beginning. Uh, from the very beginning, but they were, uh, they just, they just loved the car. I they think those in. last Vipers, one day, Gorgeous. are going to be, they're, I mean, they're, they're already so there. good looking. They're already there. Last gen Viper ACRs are now trading in the yeah. twos. I mean, but like, okay, 200s. the ACR is a pretty unusable car. It's a track car. It is, but people are paying two. I've seen people right. paying two fifty. But for like, it. I would love to have a last gen Viper like road car. Yeah, with GTS a or a GTS or with something like the caramel yeah. interior, blue exterior. Yeah. yeah, they're nice. They're pretty cars. Just sweet. They're pretty cars. Uh, and then what else we got? Lotus Evora non supercharged. They're for sure under fifty. I don't know if you can get a supercharged one under fifty. Um, and then uh, a 997, 911s, they're around. I don't think the value prop is there as much as the 996. Because the 996 yeah. is like basically the same thing mechanically. Like Porsche people are going to sh- be annoyed or whatever. But like, sure, right. 997, yeah, whatever. A little bit better looking. Much better interior. A Great friend, car. A friend of mine just paid 54 for a 38,000 mile example. And rear wheel drive S, um, and I just didn't, I didn't think that I, I think under fifty maybe, but I don't know, you know. Also, if you hear slurping noises, we have a ninety pound horse in the room. Yeah, I have my dog, also known as Cosmo. Cosmo, my dog, so. the black lab. Yeah. So anyway, he's a good boy. He's a big dog, purebred. Good That's boy. why I have the M two, so uh, so I can fit him. Two oddball mentions. Uh, you can get a Camaro SS1 LE. They just went out of production, but they're around. Gen 5s for sure are cheap. Er. Yeah. Gen 6s. Uh, Gen 6 Camaros. I mean, I think it, you could get one as cheap as like 44 new. Yeah. So. I mean, that's a great car. That's a great, like, turnkey track car. That's yeah. something that you could really beat the hell out of and it would take the punishment and it would be really rewarding oh yeah absolutely. those chassis are incredible yeah 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 out of the box so and then ram srt 10 it's not a fun car to drive but it's a stupid car to are drive are you kidding me it's got to be a fun car to drive no, with the manual they don't handle for shit well but, yeah but but it's viper truck it's a viper truck it's viper truck who doesn't love it um and then i think the just being mindful of time we'll quickly yeah. touch on cars that are over rated and I mean by that as they're not worth what they're... And we're not saying these are bad. Just not. that the current market conditions, there are some flaws that they have. This is no reflection on the driving experience or the ownership experience. To me, it's the value proposition of what they cost in the market today in 2024 dollars, which I think is just too much. For sure. Uh, E30s, I mean, a good one is a 20000 to $25,000, maybe not twenty five, but certainly a twenty fifteen to $20,000 It's example. the Tyler the Creator tax. Or a Frank Ocean. Once everybody from Odd Future started buying these, once they started showing up on, once they went from like used boxy BMW to like hype icon, once they started showing up in KIF catalogs, let's just say... They jumped the shark a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't need my Kith Edition M4. 
Um, it makes me sad because E30s are such great cars, but law of attrition yeah. and height yeah, tax. Yeah, and Amiata is a good one. Is fifteen now? I think yeah. it's solidly a fifteen thousand dollar car, and I don't know. That's a lot of money. It's a great like. car when they were five grand. That's a lot of money. S two thousand. Those are crazy money. They're pushing thirty grand for a really nice one or more. Um, I I mean I think that CR that was on Bringer Trailer went for six figures. Um, I don't. I don't understand, like, the, the E-Pass is not, doesn't have that much feel. They have no torque. They're kind of snappy. Um, my friend, or not friend, but a contact of mine from a couple of media drives, uh, Fenton, who goes by Zygreen on YouTube. We've talked about this a lot in person and virtually. Uh, he, he has tracked a number of S2000s, um, AP1s and AP2s. Um, and he, uh, you know, he agrees. It's, it's a tough car to drive uh, because of the lack of steering feel and, and other things. And, and it's only, you know, amazing lighting your pants on fire when you're doing 12 tenths. It's sort of a one-trick pony. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's it's the very, It's very Japanese in its execution. If um, you, you know, I think... I, so I haven't driven an S2000, so I'm deferring to you here. Yeah. But I think... I haven't driven one. I think I, like the, I've ridden one. The big but, thing yeah. we're saying here is that if you, you know, if you're looking at any of the cars on your list, this is probably going to be either a first or a second car. So you probably want something that can handle a few different driving yeah. scenarios, a few different things that you might want to do with it. S2000 is kind of hard because it's a convertible, but it's also only like really comes into its own at 10 tenths and it has not a ton of torque. So, and, 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 and it's that rack that like it's snappy. Chris Choi is going to kill us. Yeah, well, whatever. He's, sorry, he's I'm sorry. Canadian. I'm sorry, it? Chris. We don't know what we're talking about. Is, is he Canadian? Yes. All right, so why is he so angry? Anyway, uh, 348s, 348s are climbing in values pretty aggressively. Um, I, God, it's such a good-looking car. I, I'm a 355 guy. I am not a 348 guy. I have not thought they were attractive. Well, a 355 um, is like 10 times the maintenance. I'm aware, and I know it's basically the same. Well, it's not the same car, but it's a heavily revised 348 underneath. Um, I don't quite understand the price being paid for them. Although now, I guess, you know, 80s and 90s stuff is really in right now, so... Uh, we I need guess. to have Tom Hale on to talk about this one. Well, I mean, I think also 348s, you know, anybody who couldn't get a 355 is kind of maybe defaulting to that or trying to find one of those instead. It's a good point. I don't know. It's you sort know. of a substitution car because the 355 was like maybe slightly more of a poster child. We, we used to say in, when working in uh, consumer packaged goods that people would go to the next most similar product. Yeah. Right? So this is that. Uh, or a 360. Um, but those have, those have come up in value. Uh, Volvo R products, S60R <laughs> and V70R, you have one. Yes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's nothing against the car because you didn't pay like crazy money for it at all. You got a screaming deal. Um, but I don't, I don't understand the ones that are like mint and they're like 20 grand or something. Crazy. So, yes, I agree with you because... My mindset about the V70R is it's a tool. Mm -hmm. It is a box sure. that happens to be fast. Sure. And they require a bunch of weird things. They have like the 4C suspension and then sure. they have, you know, turbocharged engines that apparently can crack blocks. Knockwood, mine is at 
you know, almost 200,000 miles and it doesn't burn any oil, it's totally fine. Sure. But they're a little maintenance intensive, but to me, it's like back in the day, people cross shop this with like an S4 Avant. Like you're looking for something that's fast and good on the highway and carries stuff. Can, can hold your 90 pound dog. You know, um, they're like, yeah, it's not a, I think people get into trouble when they like, it's a five cylinder. So yeah, it's a cool sound, yeah. but it's not a sports car. No, so I think four, if, it's 4,000 pounds. I mean, it's, it's a 4,000 pound car. It's pretty chunky. Man, um, that space ball shifter is cool. The space ball shifter is cool, but it's, it's just, the chassis is just not there. It's very, it's very buttoned down on the highway, but it's not a super engaging car to drive fast. Like, to me, it doesn't tell me I want to go, like, I want to go have fun. Like, that's not a car that tells me that. It's a great, it's a great highway car, and they look awesome. They look great. But they Um, are maintenance intensive. Shout out to the weird guy, well, not weird, but the the Southern California guy who just bought one for 1500 bucks that I'm following, and watching him try to fix this thing on the cheap, and it's actually pretty remarkable. And shout out to Aaron Siegel for having the nicest V70R. That not, not related to Steven Seagal. I have, I I have <laughs> driven that car, and it is, it is a really great example. I just, you know, it wouldn't be my own, it wouldn't be my platform for a sports car. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to, daily. that's the thing, I don't try to make it into something it's not. Yeah, um, and that's a good yeah. point overall. Yeah. You if, know, if you have to have one car, I guess it's fine. But like, I don't, so I won't. Um, but but thought we were anyway. trying to be humble here. We are, but you know, I didn't. Well, I didn't say I have a, like good cars. <laughs> I just have, I just have multiple <laughs> multiple pains in the ass. That goes for both um, of us. M cars, uh, you know, Z three M Clancho, I think is too much money. I, I, they're they're interesting. They look great, right? I love but, that that car exists and that the engineers designed it and not the uh, designers. Yeah, I. It's just, you know, boy, the coupes, S fifty four coupes are like real strong, and that's it's that's a lot funny. of money. Uh, a Z four M coupe is a much better car. Um, some would argue less distinctive looking. I think it's what the new Supra looks like from the rear. Um, it. It is a lot of money. I mean, they're going, they're, they didn't make many. They made, I think for the U.S. market, they made, I want to say like 2,200 roadsters and 1,800 coupes, and that was it. Like, it's not many. Not many. Uh, they're rare, but, you know, 50,000 bucks is a lot for a car that, you know, no matter what, the market seems to have, I don't know, but forgotten it, but like, it, it just, you know, I think it got very quickly overshadowed by the 1 Series M, which came two years later, or yeah. three years later, right? Um, so, so one series M, what a great car! Great car, but again, N fifty four, so no thanks. And then sobs, fast sobs. I just don't understand. We were just talking about how cool the Vigan is. The Vigan is okay, but like the Aero and the real, like the Turbo X, like that's something I don't understand. I drove one, I don't get it. I think yeah, it's a niche thing. It's we'll heavy. leave it at that. We'll yeah. leave it at that. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Terminator Cobras. Why are they so much goddamn money? Like independent rear suspension. Okay, but now which every is made Mustang by Rash, has. by the way. Yeah. Um, sure. It's yeah. it's an icon to a certain generation. I, I just think that I don't know. It's a look. I guess the Mystachrome is a look. Uh, I re- I respect for what they were doing at the time because it was out of the norm. I should ask David, the Mustang expert. Uh, yeah. Uh, he'll know, but. 
Anyway, so that is the first episode in a nutshell. We just rattled on for a while. That covered a lot of ground, but like I think it's valuable information because if you or if anyone that you know is looking for a car, I think this will be at least a resource to hopefully give people some information just about what's out there. And it's a starting point for your searching or just for maybe giving you another option that you didn't know about. And, And hopefully the takeaway from this is that there are still, even in these times, a lot of cool options out there for people who want to get into a fun sports car for not a ton of money. Oh, I agree. Yep. Well, anyway, find us next time. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, we are sponsored raise hell, by... Raise hell, praise Dale. Raise hell. We're sponsored by absolutely nobody except for Ross's slobbering dog and um, the beer that we just drank, which uh, we paid for. Ourselves. Uh, um, and uh, full disclosure, as, 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 as all these car sites like to say, when they, we, brought, we were flown here on our these, own money. These are our opinions only. Yes. And... This has been Restricted Performance, Episode 1. Thank you. Good night.